So ladies and gentlemen, I just saw a picture of Lil Uzi Vert's new uh, forehead diamond, and the only question I have is, how does he resist the urge not to pick it out? Like Thanos did Vision in Infinity War. How are you resisting that urge? Please answer me that. In the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D, bring the noise. On the Fifth Home Podcast Network, I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in circumstances. Um, yeah, man, this is a very, pretty solid week, honestly. Not, not too bad, not too shabby. Uh, finished the script I was talking about uh, last week. Finished that relatively quickly. Did it in eight days, and I'm very proud of that. Uh, lashed it out to a few people. Uh, they they rated it. So, yeah, man, I'm calm with that. Another, another, little, uh, another little gem in the bank. Uh, ready to go in that fa- in that fashion. Um, just return science, uh Just uh, return some in uh, to return some clothing uh, right on time before I uh, uh You know when you just like you, you just cut it very nicely when that when that uh, when the closing time of the post office comes through and you just like get that package out. Oh, best feeling, best feeling, best feeling. It's good. It's good to get that off. Like, just I had about ten minutes. And I was just like speed walking that shit, that was, that was a good thing, um, but yeah, you know, not too bad, not too bad, very productive week, can't complain, uh, just, you know, just good vibes, uh, getting, getting some thinking out of the way, and, uh, you know, trying to map some shit out, and, uh, you know, trying to make some moves, but, you know, what's, how's that different to any other week, um, Stack Newsweek, Stack Newsweek, to be honest, like, I had to struggle to try and, uh, pick out what I wanted to talk about, you know, there was some stuff I, I knew I was going to talk about, but, you know, I, I kind of wanted to keep it varied, you know what I mean, as, as I like to do, so, uh, you know, a couple of them had to go by, and then I got a few, literally in the past day or so, and I was just like, I mean, I could talk about that, but, yeah, you know what I mean, it's, it's a bit fresh, it's a bit fresh, I'm gonna let it breathe for a bit, you know what I mean, but, We'll get to that when we get to that. Hopefully, someday we'll just, we'll see. Um, but yeah, can't complain. Let's get. In, let's might as well just uh, jump right in. Get into the show. Before we, ask you, before we begin, email to us IAG Discord link as well. Lucky I don't put Spotify links, uh, but <laughs> we'll talk about that in a bit. <laughs> but the further for, for everything's in the full show notes. Uh, go read the articles as well as I read them. Uh, you know, go support the writers in that fashion, give them, give them clicks. Have that said, let the beat drop, and let's get into the show. Oh yeah, people keep asking me if I'm gonna, like, do something with my hair, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you offering? <laughs> I don't know, I don't really know what to do with it, still in Afro stage, I'm just like, letting it, I don't know, just, I, I'm just loving the fact that I have it, you know what I mean, I'm just enjoying it, uh, for what it is, I don't really want to do anything with it, but you know, if anyone's got any ideas, let me know, and uh, have have some time, but obviously, can't link up anybody, anyway, so, here we go, anyway, in a week where uh, legendary actress Cicely Tyson dies at night, age 96, uh, police stop a 70 person strong boat party, 800 pound fine for the attendees and 10k for the organizer um, i mean shit you know just keep on going just keep keep rolling out these vaccines and uh i've i honestly I've, i was thinking about this the other day i feel like people that didn't get corona um should get like some sort of some sort of monetary award reward i honestly think that like if you because my family's been pretty fucking good on that front, you know what I mean, like, staying in, all that stuff for the past year, um, you know, not risking shit, uh, you know, it's, I feel like, I feel like we deserve, I feel like we deserve something more, because these people, these same people that took, that went to a bow party and again, a hundred pound fine or a 10k fine, are still going to get the vaccine, you know what I'm saying, I feel, I'm not saying don't give them the vaccine, give them the vaccine, but I feel like, I feel like people that didn't get corona should deserve something, that's just me, uh, Myanmar's or Burma, I forget which, I forget why, why there, there's two, I mean, I don't really know the correct one, but I'll just say Myanmar just for the sake, um, Aung San, uh, San, Yu, San Suu Kyi, San Suu Kyi 
Ki, yeah, Ki, um, and the country's president uh, are detained. And uh, as it turns out, there was a coup, military coup, and uh, I guess their military has the country for a year, apparently. Um, so yeah, that's and I found it. I find it so interesting, right? Because I've been well, I've been I've been watching like a lot of videos about like uh, well, a couple of videos recently about um how the U.S. like stole the Middle East and uh, uh, or just got their fingers into it, you know what I mean? And also Iraq as well. And it's just funny because um, every time I see you know uh, the U.K. or the U.S. like condemn another country for something, you know what I mean? I'm just like. Okay, why would they? Why would they listen to you? Like, like domestically, you're garbage. So I don't really like. You, you can't even sort your own people out. So I don't know. Anyway, um, ASOS buys Top Man, Top Shop, and Miss Selfridge for two hundred thirty mil. And lastly, more than five thousand one hundred Russians are arrested for protest imprisonment. Uh, to protest for protests of the imprisonment. Of op- opposition leader Alexei Navalny, I think he's in jail for like two something years or three years, something like that. Um, so yeah, that was clearly a bit of a kangaroo caught in that front. And you know, also uh, uh, Captain Tom Moore. So Captain Tom Moore died a hundred, uh, died eight hundred. And I don't want to politicize it, but I feel like the 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 narrative around him is really just jarring to me. Because he did the fundraising thing for the NHS, and like, and I'm seeing like Boris Johnson say stuff about him, or you know, or the government in general, and I'm just like, but he's doing what you should have done, like, you know, what I mean, it's just it it it's, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And also, I think uh, Jeff Bezos is uh, no longer Amazon CEO, but let's so act like that's going to change anything. But anyway, let's jump in. Let's talk about this game stock. Let's talk about this game stock. Uh, game game stock. <laughs> game stop stock. Stonks. Um, yeah. So this is this has been an interesting, very very interesting week, and a very f- in in some ways a very fun week um, of just seeing, uh, uh, you know, armchair Wall Street Bros just like trying to take down head head funds and stuff like that. It's just fun. It's fun watching the little guy take a dub for once. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know the where the stocks at right now. Um, as I record, I don't think Remaz because I think it's plummeted. Uh, not not back to the uh, initial stage, but you know it's plummeted to, you know, the meme's dead. I guess let's just say that. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's worth worth explaining. Um, and I won't, and you know I'm going to explain it uh, through this um, well through this explainer uh, via Emily Stewart uh, via Vox. Um, it's literally called the GameStop Stock Frenzy uh, explained. But I'm also going to talk about uh, I want to talk about on the other side of it um, about. Uh, Moving goalposts and just everything to do with that kind of concept, but um, I'll get to that when I get to that. It's just a uh, for those that aren't privy, have been living under a rock for the past week, um, or haven't bothered just to look it up. Uh, here's here's a little explainer of uh, what the GameStop stock is. <coughs> uh, who knew the first uh, big 2021 stock market story would be dot 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 GameStop? But here we are. Day trading and individual investing have boomed over the past several months, with activity often taking place or being discussed on platforms such as Reddit and Robinhood instead of in more, more instead of in more traditional air arenas. And one big question amid the frenzy has now has been how much little the little guys really matter. Sure, small time investors trade a lot, sometimes to the annoyance of more traditional institutions, but are they really consequential? In the GameStop saga at least, the answer is yes. An army of traders on the Reddit forum are Wall Street Bets helped uh, drive a meteoric rise in GameStop's stock price in recent days, forcing halts in trading and causing a major headache for short sellers betting against it and banking on the stock falling. It's a captivating David vs. Goliath story, where David, at least on some fronts, appears to be winning. Uh, famed investor and CNBC personality Jim Cramer called the GameStop drama the squeeze of a lifetime. Bloomberg opinion columnist Matt Levine, or Levine uh, posited that one possible explanation for what happened could be, quote, utter nihilism on the part of the Reddit crowd. A story, quote, perhaps best told with a series of rocket emojis. <laughs> nice, nice one. Or maybe one of Wall Street Bet's moderators put it best to Wired, quote, it was a meme stock that really blew up, unquote. There has been a lot of hand-wringing 
about the day trading trend and this new crop of investors playing the markets, many of whom are treating stocks more like a spin at the roulette wheel uh, than a long-term strategy to build wealth. It's not clear how many of them are looking at the underlying fundamentals of companies or whether they're just YOLOing themselves across the market. On GameStop, the answer is probably be a mix. There's a reasonable business case to make uh, to make for some of the game's uh, game retailer's valuation. There's also a case that this whole thing has just been quite fun for everyone. I would say the latter for me personally. Uh, the possible trolls of Reddit, market watchers, commentators, and certainly GameStop, except for the short sellers, uh, who have been in for a pretty miserable ride. Quote, it's dramatic, and you don't see this magnitude very often, said Nick Colas, the co-founder of Data Trek Research. But when it happens, it's spectacular, unquote. More traditional investors, and those with a lot of money, have wag- wagged fingers. Uh, but giant banks and head funds aren't exactly a bastion of responsibility. Take a look at the role they played in the 2008 financial crisis. Yes, please take a look at that, guys. Please, please take a look at that. Uh, the animosity flows both ways. In a January 25th post titled An Open Letter to CNBC, one Wall Street Bets Redditor pointed out that much of the network's audience is composed of, retail, of the retail traders who are now being criticised. Quote, your contempt for the retail investor, your audience, is palpable, and if you don't get it together, you will lose an entire new generation of investors, the Reddit user Radio 02118 wrote. I'm sorry, that just sound that just sounds like a bot name. Um, I'm sure it isn't, but it just screams bot to me, but, you know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, the user pointed out, uh, the hedge funds that take big risk, take on big risk, can get a bailout, as one of the as one of the ones shorting GameStop did, whereas everyday investors generally can't. Quote, we don't have billionaires to bail us out when we mess up our portfolio risk and gain a position, uh, and a position goes against us. We can't go on live TV and make attempts to mani- manipulate millions to, our, to take our side of the trade. If we mess up as bad as they did, we're wiped out, unquote. And that's true. And that's kind of where I get to the moving goalpost point, but we'll get to that in a sec. And it's far from certain uh, GameStop stock price will stay high forever. On Thursday, January 28th, his price began to fall, and trading platforms such as Robinhood began to clamp down the trading frenzy around this and other volatile stocks, a move that sparked fury among some traders. That evening, Robinhood announced he would reinstate limited trading on those stocks the next morning. Uh, let's go back a bit over the basics of what is going on here. GameStop is a video game retailer headquartered in Grapevine. Uh, I'm going to skip that a little bit because there's not really any point. Who cares? Like You can look up what GameStop is, to be honest. Let me skip some paragraphs right here. GameStop stock price has skyrocketed from where it was at the start of the year under $20 to nearly $350 at market close on January 27th. The stock slid to under 200 at market close on January 28th. The day Robinhood clamped down on buying it, and after it was li- that was lifted, the stock shot up again. The stock's volatility is is the result in no small part of redditors and the short sellers they went after. Wall Street Bets has an antagonistic relationship with shorts. Many retail traders are, sto- are betting stocks will go up, will go up, not down. Lots of hedge funds and investors are shorting GameStop. But the centre of the current saga is Citroen Research, which is run by a famed short seller Andrew Left. Last week, Citroen announced that uh, announced on Twitter that it would be hosting a live stream event, laying out the short case against GameStop and arguing people buying the stock were suckers at, the, at this poker game. Uh, they predicted shares would go back to $20. The event was put off, first because of the presidential inauguration, then because of attempts to hack Citroen's tr- Twitter. <laughs> Eventually, they got the video out, and the battle has continued. Left said he'll no longer comment on GameStop because of the angry mob that's formed against him, and he complained he'd never seen such a uh, such an exchange of ideas. Yeah, su- such an exchange of ideas of people so angry about someone joining the other side of the trade, unquote. When a hedge fund or investor shorts, uh, shorts a stock, they basically speculate that its price will go down. They do that by borrowing, usually from a broke de- broker-dealer, shares of a stock that they think will lose value by a set date, and then selling them at market price. Uh, quote, it's a much more sophisticated investor kind of play, Colas said. The bet has to work pretty quickly because what you don't want is your short stock at $10 and it goes up to $100 because you can lose more than 100% of that capital that you put down, unquote. Um, that's kind of the 
gist of it. Um, they do mention Elon Musk, you know, just goading people on. Robin Hood, more details from Robin Hood. It's a very actually lengthy explainer, so um, you know it had really, it's really um, conclusive, and uh, I'd I'd say it's one of the most conclusive explainers out there. So you know if you want to go read that, go read that. It's a very worthy uh, article to read. But um, the thing I wanted to get to, as to my uh, just general point, <clears throat> is that um, I I. I the, this world fascinates me on a lot of levels, as I think it does to a lot of people. Um, you know, I watch shows like Billions, and I'm just like, honestly, I'm honestly just completely fascinated by how, and you know, obviously that's a bit of a dramatization, right? But I just find it so fascinating how, like, they just do everything by their own rules. You know what I mean? They just have their own rules. It's really. Like a Wild West masked as, masked as something else. Like it's Wild West inside inside a bubble, but you see it on the outside and you're just like, oh yeah, that's that's on the up and up. But inside it's just fucking Wild West. It's just outlaws basically, and they're just all you know rinsing whatever they want to rinse. Um, but the the point I wanted to make is just about moving goalposts, right? Because the only issue with this and the only uh, existential um, issue that you can have with a, with a story like this is that, you know, it literally is a David vs. Goliath thing where, like, you have all these small small people, just, like, singular individuals, like, you know, coming together in one way and just saying, all right, let's, let's just raise this stock up, right? And, you know, there's no, there's technically no rules against it, Right? There, there probably are rules against it, but it's rules that are uh, held up by, uh, you know, if, if you ain't getting paid, you're getting paid by the bigger people to look the other way, right? I feel like there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, rule breaking here, um, you know, but the, with the, um, with the uh, one hedge fund that got uh, bailed out, like, why the fuck? Are we bailing... Well, not we, but, you know, why the fuck are whoever... Like, why are they getting bailed out? You know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, you, you fucked up, right? It's your game. You fucked up your own game. Right? Someone someone finessed you. Take the L, right? But no, 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 no. They, no, no, no. Imagine how crazy that is, right? Just imagine how crazy that is. I, I'm trying to think of a way to put it in, like, a... Uh, an everyday concept, but I, I don't think I can in the t- in the time I've given myself. Um, but there actually is um, a great uh, video. Uh, I'll throw in I'll throw in the show notes actually. Um, it's, uh, it's 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 by Johnny Harris, who's a, a, a kind of a video journalist in some ways, right? And he talks about the GameStop stuff um, and uh, actually invests in it <laughs> in the video. Um, and yeah, he explains it very well using uh, a, a Charizard card, the po- uh, Pokemon Charizard card, um, and that's a very good, um, you know, everyday way of explaining it. But I just find it so fascinating about how they manage to just move these goalposts, right? And just uh, and just have they have rules, and it's so clear as well. That that's the that's the crazy thing. It's so clear, so clear as day. Like they see this, they see, you see this hedge fund, they fuck up, and then they get bailed out because why right and then if you have any other regular douchebag uh fuck up that's it that's on them that's on them that you know they just live with consequences on that fashion they have to pay however much uh to to you know for, for whatever the share is right i just find that absolutely outstanding like the level of inequity that system has that's probably one of the worst systems to think about Right, and you know we think about a lot of systems here on what's good. Right, we think about political systems, social systems. You know, I mean, just stuff like that. But damn, man, that's that's kind of why finance fascinates me. I guess right, because it's so lawless, but only for the people that are truly, you know, life invested in it. You know, I mean, the actual they put their names and their lives in it, and I just find that jarring to me. Like, and obviously in these days is becoming you know more accessible to the regular person that they can make money off the stock market whether it's you know in actual you know genuine stocks businesses or just you know for forex there's a, there's a lot of forex people i know a few forex people um 
you know, and uh, obviously cryptocurrency, you know, Dogecoin was uh, rising up uh, recently. I saw that trending one time. Shout out to Brandon, who's invested in Dogecoin, trying to send that shit to the mood. It's just funny. It's funny, but, you know, it's also kind of, um, uh, it's kind of interesting, like how a new frontier in some ways, where, you know, the regular person with, you know, limited knowledge on everything can just, you know, throw their money at something and then may or may not be... Let's just be real. Let's just finish up with this, right? This is gambling. It's, it's all gambling. Like At the end of the day, it's all gambling. Like You might as well just go to a casino and just like uh, uh, go play blackjack. It's pretty much the same thing. It's, a, it's long-term gambling. That's basically what it is. So, you know, I've been taught not really to gamble that much. I haven't really over my life. I've been to, I've been to a casino once in my life and actually, you know, uh, played for money. Um... So you know, I'm not very, I'm not that invested in it, but you know, it's just, it's just gambling. But what's different between gambling? Uh, well, well, actually, I don't think it's different in in, in gambling because obviously they have the house rules. You know what I mean? In that in that fashion, and the house always wins in in that way, right? And I was going to say that's different, but in some ways, the hedge fund is kind of the house um, or the house adjacent. And uh, you know, if you're the house adjacent, then go get bailed out those are the rules it's very cutthroat um and you know it's highly unfair and i can't wait for the day where it all uh, crumbles because money doesn't exist but you know that's just me shout out to the gamblers out there shout out to gamestop shout out to the stocks it's been a fun meme but i think it's uh, pretty much dead now So move on to music, and uh, this is all about Madlib, who's uh, recently released an album called Sound Ancestors, and uh, I just found this interview with him uh, very fascinating, I just wanted to pick out a few uh, paragraphs here and there, um, just about uh, certain things he's talk- he talks about, um, he talks about uh, MF Doom dying, uh, how he missed out on a Kendrick uh, collaboration, uh, and just uh, you know general hip-hop stuff, so I found it very fascinating, I just wanted to pick out a few clips a few paragraphs from from here. Uh, I'm not going to read it all, uh, but I just wanted to uh, get into it because I just uh, found it a really cool read. And uh, you know, Madlib's a real fascinating person. I feel like his uh, uh, knowledge as a producer and uh, just knowledge in uh, music history and just what he uses for his music is just so um, so widespread and uh you know very inspiring to uh, a lot of uh, potential producers out there i feel, I feel like if you want to if you if you try and go for madlib's level of just like you know digging and you know just how to flip certain beats or whatever or just like you know what what loops to take or whatever it's just um yeah it's just it's just a real fascinating person i thought it was a good interview so let me just uh pick out some clip uh, pick out some uh, clippings uh, clippings here in terms of a uh, uh, what you might talk about. So in the first one, he talks about um, uh, talking about MF Doom and dying, uh, and here's his quote about it because uh, obviously they were, they did a, they did a, obviously Mad Villainy. We're actually going to talk about that on uh, uh, the next episode, Digging Digits, uh, dropping on Tuesday. So uh, you know if you want to go peep that, go peep that. Uh, quote: I still don't believe it. Says producer, real name Otis Jackson Jr. from his home in Los Angeles. He describes Doom as a a brother, a guy that took time to hang out, call me all the time. But also King of Beats, the Muhammad Ali of hip-hop, whose rhyming skills are hugely influential. Quote, everybody's still learning off him, he adds. Uh, yeah, he is glad that his late contemporary is posthumously getting the recognition he deserves. Quote, last week I saw five of Doom's albums on top of the charts. On the top charts. And it's sad to say, uh, but that wouldn't happen if he was here. And that's pretty much factual. I don't know if I talked about it on here or on what's good, but uh, yeah, uh, or on... Um, digits but yeah it's just um is what is on that front uh, you might assume jackson has a psychic hotline to doom as legend has it they made their one album 2004 mad villainy uh, in the same house without speaking or magic mushrooms uh, that album is widely considered uh, one of the greatest collaborations in hip-hop to it enigmatic minds whose disregard for form and embrace of experimentation inspired a generation of mcs the last time they talked was about a year ago to discuss working on new music, quote, but we said that every year, uh, and it never happened, he says. He was working hard on whatever he was doing, I was moving along over here. 
It's not the first time uh, Jackson has lost a friend and collaborator, his kindred spirit, Jay Diller, with whom he has made an al- album as J-Lib. We also talked about that on uh, Ding Digits a couple of weeks ago. Go, Pete. Uh, died in 06, age uh, 32, from rare blood disease, TDP, and lupus. Jackson had previously likened Diller to John Coltrane and doomed to Charlie Parker, two rebellious jazz greats, jokingly calling himself a Thelonious Monk. Uh, now he's the only one left of his of this holy trinity, the no-rules beat constructors who revitalized 2000s hip-hop. Uh, speaking to this somewhat, uh, his new album starts at a prelude called There Is No Time. That's why I keep moving, he says. Life is too short. He isn't one. Uh, he isn't one to pause much for reflection. The forty-seven-year-old is known for being uh, immensely prolific. His discography is dizzying, with dozens of albums as himself, alias beat conductor, Madden Medicine Show for other people, or collaborations. Uh, they feverishly flip through genres and grab loops from rarities. He is said to have over four rooms worth of them. Fuck, uh, like he's making the ultimate musical scrapbook, meandering from uh, Brazilian jazz to African funk to throbbing gristle. Uh, the Wire magazine likened him to a, quote, music librarian, dot, 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 the guardian of yesterday for the music lovers of tomorrow. That's a boss fucking... Imagine that. Ima- imagine being referenced as that. That's a fucking G way of being called anything. That's fucking great. That is amazing. Um, I'm going to move on a little bit uh, to uh, just a little bit about Sound Ancestors, actually. Because uh, it's just a recent album that dropped. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I need to listen to it again because it's obviously very, uh, it's, it's a super very project. And uh, the one time I did listen to it, um, I didn't really, I wasn't really focused on it. I was uh, I had it on the background while working. So it wasn't exactly the best background listen. Uh, but I feel like I need to uh, give it another listen, uh, definitely. Uh, Sound Ancestors gives you an immediate introduction an exhaustive supermarket suite across his crate spanning dub industrial funk kraut rock uh psych rock post-punk jazz and myriad styles that have originated from africa and brazil never jarring it has the gleeful energy of jostling over the record player with your friends that's a great that's a great uh, uh, quote oh, i forgot to say this is by um uh, kate hutchinson of the guardian by the way so uh, she's uh, producing the words here so yeah solid solid work um Alright, this is a bit about Kendrick, which I found interesting. Uh, Jackson's propensity for shutting himself off has meant he's forgotten some big moments. He was the guy that, when Kendrick Lamar wanted his keen ear for the groundbreaking to Pippa Butterfly, didn't answer his phone. Quote, back then I was more elusive than I am now. He says, a chuckle cracking his baritone drawl. I was busy on my own thing. Missed opportunities, man. Collaborating with Lamar, quote, probably wouldn't have worked out anyways, he says. Because I'm like a sore thumb. He's never been in studio properly with anyone, not even Gibbs, who obviously did uh, they did Bandana and uh, Pinata together. Uh, we just exchanged ideas on that front. Uh, the only time he entertained a room full of musicians was German Krautrock veterans Embryo. He recognizes Lamar uh, Lamar's revolutionary potential though, and hopes that uh, with the year America has had, more artists like him will up the ante. Quote. Rap music right now should be like Public Enemy stuff, but it's not just it's just not there. Um, I wish it was more like how it was in the earlier days when I was coming up. My influence is real music. Music can teach you uh, things not to do. Uh, most of the music today is telling you bad things to do. My type of hip hop can help you grow up, unquote. And that's a great just way of looking at things, and I highly agree on that front. I wanted to have this conversation on DITD, but I'm going to say it now just for kicks. Um, the with the with the with the um, you know inauguration of like Biden, right, and uh, the you know in some ways relaxation of uh, America's anxiety about you know just everything. Uh, but obviously, it's all there. You know, <laughs> it's still a cesspool, but you know, this is just it's just uh, hidden a little bit more now as as it used to be. Um, I feel like uh, with Trump gone. I had a theory that, um, you know, artists that, you know, were doing uh, a track here and there, you know, about social justice and stuff like that, you know, little Baby and them, uh, for example, I feel like that's just going to go out the window, you know what I mean? Um, I feel like a lot of those artists aren't going to do that anymore and they're just going to go back to either where they always were, you know what I mean, and just uh, never dip into that pool again in that fashion uh never create anything on that front again and i find that a bit sad um yeah i feel like there's not many 
and the reason the, easy, the reason uh, the answer is easy um it's it's because unless you're Kendrick Lamar uh political you know stances on anything or just like you know socio political stances on anything uh unless you you know wrap it in a and i mean rap like you know chicken rap um if you wrap it up in a uh, a really great overall sound um and not just like, you know, a public enemy or a Paris, you know what I mean, where it's just outright, that's all it is, um, you're not going to get anywhere. You, you're not, unless, you, unless you, you're down with being independent, and, you know, if you're, if you're down that road, then sure, go for it, but, I, if, and it just makes it, and it just makes people like public enemy all the, all the more fascinated, the fact that they managed to get where they, where they were and are, um, but yeah, I'm, I, 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 I echo Madlib's sentiments. I wish people um, have more um, focus and more, uh, and feel like it's important to constantly talk about that and not just like whatever, you know, whatever else. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. And I feel like, you know, that music has never been the, the main thing that people want to talk about. But anyway, <clears throat> um, moving ahead a couple paragraphs. Uh, actually, you know what? Let me read. Let me read to the end. I think these are good. Uh, when he looks at mainstream rap music today, he mostly doesn't see the same. Uh, you can see why fans have long clamoured to hear Mad Villainy's rumoured follow-up, Peanut Butter Wolf, uh, who runs Mad uh, Peanut Butter Wolf, who runs Mad Lib's former record label Stone's Throw, uh, said in a recent interview that Doom had told him the album was 85% done. Yet Jackson isn't so sure. Uh, Doom still on finishing it. He says probably quote probably because of the first deal on record on the record that kind of ruined it. Uh, you know, record label business, what all eyes go through. It's not, not even in a complete form, he continues. He didn't add his touch to it, so it just seems like a bunch of demos to me. He finished vocals, but we didn't add other elements that, he, that made Mad Villain what it was. Uh, quote, whatever happens to those, he says, is, quote, up to Stone's throw, unquote, with whom he parted ways to set up his own label in 2010. Quote, even if I wanted to put it, uh, put it somewhere, I can't put it out, unquote. Uh, Stone Throw confirmed that the label, uh, quote, has rights to any potential unreleased Marvin project if if one ever sees the light of day, unquote. That's, that's some shit. Uh, the album has become part of hip-hop myth, and perhaps it's better uh, it remains that way. Jackson has long moved on to the next thing. He says that, encouraged by Dilla's dabblings with Janet Jackson, then sync the letter never saw the light of day, but it exists, he says. He'd like to work with Alicia Keys or How You Say Adele. Uh, but then again, maybe not. Madlib, after all, still enjoys the freedom of enigma. Quote, that's all. That's why I live for, he says. You won't catch me on Twitter arguing with nobody. Better to be a mystery. Yeah, and you know, that's kind of, like, why Madlib is so, like, cool. <laughs> like, like, the dude is so distant from everything. And I feel like he's that, tr- he has that true sense of, I guess, like, uh, living for the art that a lot of people like to like to have or like to think they want um you know where you just make the tunes like if you if, if people hit you up you know what i mean it's like all right cool let's just let's cook or let's not cook whatever you know what i mean and yeah it just seems so it seems so simple it seems uncomplicated but i'm sure it is like i think there's a uh, like him uh he has a album with uh talib and uh yasin bay as well and that's not coming th- that's not gonna, that may not see the light of day because of uh, i think uh, uh, uh label stuff so you know it must be frustrating on that front and uh, I, I i know a lot of people use social media to just vent some shit and i probably would you know what i mean if i had some like just bullshit come through my door and i'm just like bro Guys, I'm pissed, like, <laughs> just let me up on Twitter, just like, fuck me, I hate these people, you know what I mean, you have to, you just have to vent, you know what I mean, but I'm, I'm sure, he, I guess he has his own, you know, uh, network of people to complain to, or something like that, or just to celebrate with, whatever, and, you know, it just seems so, it seems utopian, you know what I mean, in some ways, but, uh, yeah, but it, it works for some people, and it doesn't for, it doesn't for a lot of others, um, but, a lot of people do claim to want that kind of thing, but then go ahead and tweet up a storm all night. So, you know, each to their own. Shout out to Madlib and uh, go, pee that, uh, go go stream that uh, uh, our sound ancestors. It's, um, 
is objectively good, even though I need to definitely listen to it again. <laughs> So we move on to our second music topic, and uh, this is all about Spotify, all about Spotify. So this is a relatively quick article, um, it's not that long a read, but um, I wanted to peep it because I am so, I'm getting so tired of just like, some places just trying to just overstep their fucking boundary, you know what I mean? So, you know, Spotify, we know Spotify streams, platform, music podcast as well although i've just realized that i can get most of the spotify exclusives on my uh pocket casts so i don't really know why people would use spotify uh in in that fashion unless like you can wait a couple of weeks for whatever episode of whatever spotify exclusive to drop but i really don't see the reason anymore like i've got dissect on my thing on my pocket cast now i've got resistance i can get jamel heels unbothered if i ever want to peep that again uh, you know what I mean? So it's it's just uh, it's just funny to me. Uh, but uh, you know they have to they have they have to explain in some way. Can't they can't stream more music? You know what I mean? <laughs> they have most of it anyway. So this is uh, via Pitchfork it's by Noah Yu uh, or Noah Yu. Uh, it's called a new Spotify patent involves monitoring users' speech to recommend music. So this is the point. This is this is just stopping right there. Just why? Why? You are if if I'm on Spotify, take all my data. It's fine because I'm on Spotify. I expect them to take some sort of data in order for them to uh, in order for them to say, "Hey, here's something you might like." You know, what I mean, their, their algorithms on that front is relatively good. Like I, I like their daily mixes. They have a, I have like six of them. You know, they fit they fit good moods. Um, the release radar is okay. Um, the new releases for you is a bit, yeah, because, like, they only give me singles most of the time, I feel like they should give me more albums instead of the singles, because sometimes I don't know if someone's dropping an album, um, but I like to be surprised on that front, so they need to sort out, but, you know, overall, the algorithm's pretty decent compared to the rest of them, but you ain't getting past, like, when I dip out the app, that's it, that's a wrap, don't come and try and get my speech, anyway, let's just, let's just, uh, let's get a bit into this. So, <clears throat> Spotify has been granted with a, a granted a patent uh, with technology that cl- that aims to use recordings of users' speech and background noise to determine what kind of music to curate and recommend to them. Music Business Worldwide reports the community filed for the patent. Or pa- is it patent or patent? I say patent, but I, I know some people say patent. Uh, in 2018, it was approved on January 12, 2021. So it's approved. It's, it might come through. Like, bro, I might have to dip off for Spotify. Fuck. Um, they have the um, entire pattern on uh, on here as well. Um, so if you want to go peep it for yourself, uh, they've got all 11 pages of that. Go for it. Go, go, go. Uh, uh, but I'm not going to do that for now, obviously. Um, the pattern o- outlines potential uses of technology that involves the extraction of, quote, inton- intonation, stress, rhythm, and the likes of units of speech, unquote, from the user's voice. The tech could also use speech recognition to identify metadata points such as emotional state, gender, age, accent, and even environment, i.e. whether someone is alone or with other people based on audio recording. The pattern filling outlines how Spotify currently uses a decision tree showing users different artists, genres, and more to help refine its recommendation algorithm for the user. That's good, because the longer you're on Spotify, the more refined it's going to be for yourself. That's why it's good, right? The longer you're on it, the better it will be. But anyway, quote, what is needed is an entirely different approach to collecting taste attributes of a user, particularly one that is rooted in the technology so that the above described human activity, e.g. requiring a a user to provide input, is at least partially eliminated and performed more efficiently. Reads the filing, find the pattern below. Um, It's in Currently unclear whether Spotify has established a roadmap for the implementation of this tech into its desktop or mobile apps, or what form this implementation might take. Excuse me. It is also unclear if the technology currently exists or if the patent is speculative. It should be noted that it's not abnormal for tech companies to patent technology that does not that does not end up making it to market. Okay, there you go. Um, a Spotify spokesperson. 
uh, provided the following statement to Pitchfork. Spotify has filed, uh, filed patent applications, for hundreds of inventions, and regular file new applications. Some of these patents become part of future products, while others don't. Our ambition is to create the best audio experience out there, but we don't have any news to share at this time. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know about that. Like it's funny how you know of all the patents that they you know reportedly you know ap- apply for, this is the one that people latch on to. Funny, right? Interesting, right? I find that pretty fascinating. You know what I mean? Um, so it just makes it just makes my arsage. Like because as you guys know, I just hopped off Facebook and we had this WhatsApp shit recently and you know that's kind of stopped until may which you know is inevitable and i'll hop off that as soon as uh, you know just when it when the time comes because as i keep saying it's a matter of if not when but why of all of these uh, i mean why 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 go through all of it if you're not going to try and implement it you know i feel and that's just me because i feel like if you're going to put time into something you'd want it to you know see the light of day that's just me because i don't like wasting energy but obviously, this is the case for a lot of companies where they have all these uh, patents for, you know, like take Google, for example, the amount of shit they have like started and then just killed halfway through. Remember Google Glass? Remember that? Fucking hell, that's supposed to be the shit. I was looking that shit up. I remember I was in sixth form. I was looking that stuff up. I was like, damn, that's cool. That's fucking sick. I'd love that. You know what I mean? But uh, a couple of years later or like a year later, gone graveyard like google have google has a legitimate graveyard of like their you know stuff that they started and just never really implemented or just never went public right but damn this shit is scary like i don't i don't like that i just don't like the sound of that at all now you know maybe it's a matter of uh it's optional then if that's the case then sure i ain't taking an option some people can and that's up to them, right? That's your decision to make. But I wouldn't even want that because I feel like, you know, as I said, the algorithm is pretty decent as it is. And obviously they want to try and make it better, etc, etc. But, you know, fuck. Must it be all the time? Must Can it not be just perfect? You know what I mean? Like, why, 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 why can't you just, like, live with the fact that, you know, you've got a decent algorithm? It's one of the best out there. It gets the job done. Can't can't that just be it? You know what I mean? Like maybe maybe it's worth um, you know improving new users like as soon as they come through because obviously um, the you, you need to they need to be on there for a minute to actually get stuff that they want. Um, but you know work on that. But I've been on Spotify for like what well technically like five six years, but only properly on it for about four. Um, I remember the first two years I wasn't really on it because I was uh, on something else and I just had Spotify Premium on my phone for like two years and I never used it until like the last month of it. <laughs> like a twat. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I just don't like this at all. I just don't like this at all. It just seems so invasive. Like, if you, if it's on Spotify, then, you know, do what you will because I'm on Spotify at that point. But, you know, just outside, you're just listening. Like, what the fuck? What 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 do you need me talking to my boys for? Like what what do you need that for? I know what you need it for, but I don't need that. I don't need that. I I've got a pretty wide net as it is, a pretty decent net. Um, I think my the algorithm for me is working pretty freaking well. Me don't need it. Me don't need it. So you know that's and that's just me. Maybe you guys are completely interested in this, like like I was with Google Glass back in the day. But yeah, for now, from you know the. The, the paranoia, it's low-key paranoia that I'm getting, <laughs> of tech that I'm getting into these days. I'm, I'm just, like, constantly trying to figure out how to just be more secure these days. Um, this, mate, if it, if it takes dipping off Spotify, I'm going to fucking do it. I didn't have it, I didn't have it for a good few years. Like, my first streaming platform was Deezer. Alright, I've used Tidal. It's okay. I, I will go back to Deezer or hop onto Tidal. And that would be a fucking poetic moment if I went to Tidal. Jesus Christ, I've shot on Tidal for so many years. And then I've imagine that if I just hop on, hop off it, uh, hop onto it exclusively. Fuck me. But, you know, I, I'll go back. I don't mind. I, I, I don't need Spotify that deep. It's not that deep for me. I, I value this algorithm. It's a very good algorithm. You know, they've recommended me some good shit. But fuck me, if, if this, this kind of shit happens, boy, trust me, I'm dropping off. I am dropping off. 
no sweat, no problem for me. It's all good. I can go back. Okay, and we finish with our uh, life topic? No, no, film and TV topic, there you go. <laughs> Got mixed up. Uh, but yeah, this is a TV topic. Um, I found this a great article. This is by Alex Hess. Um, it's called From the Sopranos to Twin Peaks, the best TV isn't timely, it's prescient. Um, and I had to I had to look up uh, the correct definition for prescient because, uh, well, I just felt like it was important too. Um, because, you know, it's one of those words where, like, I've heard it before in sentences, but I've never really actually known the proper definition. It's uh, having or showing knowledge of events before they take place. So, yeah, it's kind of like uh, foresight in a way. Um, so, yeah, I found, I found, now that word's a pretty interesting word to pick when it comes to this um, way of talking about TV. Um, I did actually see an article that I was going to have for the show, but I just didn't, uh, I just fell through the cutting room floor um, about, like, uh, uh, so someone did a um, TV shows that uh, uh, I guess highlighted certain presidencies. Um, so like for the Bush years, it was twenty four. For like uh, I don't know if it was like Nixon or Jimmy Carter, whatever. It was like a, a Dick Van Dyke show or something like that. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's it's kind of interesting article, but um, uh, this kind of goes off that um in in some ways, but just more uh, down my alley because I don't really care about U.S. president. Um, but yeah, this is this is interesting. So let's just go give it a rip. Uh, at least COVID struck during the age of peak TV. After all, we know that not were this not, were this not a time when the shows being piped into our living rooms were better, smarter, starrier, more plentiful, more readily available than ever before. What would we have done to stay on an even keel for a year in lockdown? Yeah, you wouldn't fund that shit, would you? Anyway. Uh, Pretty much what we did anyway, it turns out, because the viewing trend of the past 12 months, which you saw coming, has been a clamour for the classics. At a time where there is more box-fresh prestige entertainment than you can shake a battered remote at, viewers on both sides of the Atlantic decided to uh, reacquaint themselves with old friends, Rodney Trotter, Jerry Seinfeld, and overwhelmingly Tony Soprano. So why are we gravitating en masse towards televisual heirlooms of the past? Has the world been hit by a sudden onset of nostalgia, as one poll suggested, or have the classics taken on new relevance? I think both. I think, answering that question, I think both. Um, certainly in the media there has been a rush to demonstrate that it is more about relevance. Relevance, sorry, relevance? <laughs> relevance. Uh, we are interpreting, reinterpreting these shows in the light of our strange modern times. I don't know. I, I don't know, and I'm, I'm kind of like already disagreeing with the whole article already, but like, I feel like it may be that in a way, but not consciously, I don't think consciously, I don't, I don't think people watching go, wow, it's just like our times, you know what I mean, I don't think people look at it like that, I think it's more about nostalgia for most people, I, I think generally it's all about nostalgia, that nostalgia and also comfort, like just feeling, just knowing a show in and out just makes you feel better when you watch it again, um, uh, and, you know, I have shows like that, for sure, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting. Um, it turns out, the many, it's the same way we listen to music, like, I have my regular rotation, and I listen to that most of the time, you know what I mean? But I still listen to new shit, but, you know, everyone has their regular rotations. Um, it turns out that many of them do indeed speak to the moment. In the past year, we have seen Twin Peaks reinterpreted as a foreshadowing of the anxiety age, the wire as a heralded, as a herald of today's racial unrest, Scrubs as a salute to hostile workers, Big Brother as a presaging a world in lockdown, and Seinfeld as an antidote to cancel culture. Uh, then there is the surprise show of 2020, quote-unquote, uh, The Sopranos, whose renaissance has been variously explained by its status as a prophecy of the Trump era, a new discovered meme hotbed, a new discovered meme hotbed, and a reminder of the joy of physical contact. Yeah, so that's what we, that's what we watch uh, Sopranos for, physical contact. Um, maybe, maybe a certain type of physical contact. Uh, for the most part, these readings are spot on. But perhaps those who seek, uh, see present-day pertinence as the reason for rejuvenated reviewing figures have confused cause and effect. The Sopranos, like The Godfather three decades before it, is about the moral decay of the capitalist US. Interesting. Um, it's also about raising brattish teenagers, dealing with a cheating spouse, and being slowly worn down by the banal irritations of domestic life. These themes are not in vogue. 
they never go out of fashion. Similarly, Big Brother feeds an appetite for voyeurism and gossip as the uh, as old as the species itself. No, facts. And the social problems unpicked by the wire at the start of the century uh, are, are as still as stark are still as stark and res- unresolved as ever. The secret to these shows' resurgence isn't that they are timely, is that they are timeless. This isn't to say that inspecting old TV through the lens of today is anything other than excellent fun. Whether Soprano would have voted for Trump is a question that's provoked all sorts of admirably exhaustive online discussion, as has Buffy's status as a proto-hashtag-MeToo-era heroine, and Dad's army is a harbinger of Brexit Brexit. <laughs> Uh, I know I said the word, but fuck it. Um, <laughs> it's just funny to me. Uh, but the ability to find a new angle on an old show is a product of people continuing to watch it, rather than vice versa. Meanwhile, the resurgent popularity of programs is obviously applicable to modern culture, Only Falls in Horses, and Last of the Summer Wine in the UK, The Golden Girls in the US, has been explained by industry experts as comfort viewing. There we go. We've talked about that before. Um, this is surely true. But were they ever anything else? There are some exceptions. It is impossible now to watch The Leftovers, a drama in which an alarming new phenomenon causes 2% of the world's population to disappear without the show's already uncompromising bleakness being compounding, compounded by real-life events. The holiday economy versus public safety dilemma faced by uh, the populist mayor in Jaws, which found itself top of the US box office in the summer, feels, uh, feels uncomfortably familiar. And it doesn't take a sociologist to work out why Steven Soderbergh's deadly virus filler contagion stormed to the top of the streaming charts last spring. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, but generally, to the, the second life of these decades-old offerings can be explained by a more mundane formula. Quality plus circumstance. The second point goes beyond the fact that uh, we all have been stuck home for years. Sopranos, for instance, benefit from HBO's decision to, launch, uh, to make the show free to watch in April, as well as the launch of a podcast presented by two of its stars. That's all in brackets, by the way. Uh, my current small screen solace is Six Feet Under, the forgotten gem of TV's golden age, and not among the shows enjoying a COVID-era revival. Uh, despite it being unabashedly about death, dying, and devastating grief, watching it today has the unprecedented real-world prominence of these issues given Six Feet Under new relevance. Has the unprecedented real-world prominence. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there was a question mark, and I forgot why. Uh, not really other than to affirm how note-perfect it was in the first place, in staring down one of public life's greatest, uh, few few great taboos. Uh, the reason the show remains as great as ever is the same reason we continue to return to 40 Towers, Most Tavern, Wernham Hog, and the Badabing. Uh, humanity and razor-sharp humour will always stand the test of time. And while we might get a sentimental sugar rush from Lester Freeman whittling his dollhouse furniture, or the opening beats of Woke Up This Morning, uh, the real appeal of the truly great shows is not nostalgia so much as a certain evergreen existence, which surely is just the way it should be, as as a wise man once said, quote, remember when is the lowest form of conversation. That's a bar. (laughs) That's a great bar to end on. Um, Yeah. I think uh, this actually provides an interesting um, addition to the overall conversation about like nostalgia and comfort watching, which you know both were mentioned in that fashion. Um, and I think I, I think I have the same thoughts about it. Another finished it. I think I have the same thoughts about it um, when I when when I got to the first few paragraphs. Uh, when I went through the first three paragraphs, I think it's a mixture of. You know, definitely nostalgia. I feel like people um, do watch certain things uh, because it makes them feel good. I feel like not nostalgia and comfort. Um, you know, we talked about nostalgia last week as a you know as a in in, in sometimes uh, in old in, in back in the day it used to be considered a mental illness. You know, um, but now you look at it now and. You know, you can under you, you can understand why people back in the day saw nostalgia as a mental illness. I wouldn't say it's a mental illness, but I'd say it's a it's something that it's like an it's it's like the easiest form of escape. You know, it's the easiest form of escape. Um, and you know that's fine. Like I get it. You know, people need to escape from certain things. Um, but for me. I see watching something else all over again, right? 
as... I don't want to say a waste of time, right? Because obviously it's not a waste of time. You know, if you're enjoying yourself, you're enjoying yourself. That's so it's, you know, can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, sh- I can't take a shit on that. But it is interesting of how you know we are in an interesting time for TV. I wouldn't say it's the golden age, right? As you know, people think that early two thousands was the golden age of TV. Um, American TV anyway, I'd, I'd say that, Golden Age of American TV, I'm not sure about UK TV, I think it's the Golden Age of UK TV now, um, with a lot of great stuff yearly just dropping, um, you know, I May Destroy, you know what I mean, as a, as a, as a last year's, I think, you know, real heavy hitter, um, to a lot of people, um, I finally finished it, and I was, you know, really blown away by it, even though subjectively it the I didn't like any of the characters, <laughs> but uh, you know it's still objectively really good and uh, superb writing. Um, but would you go watch The Office instead of watching I May Destroy You? Um, that's kind of the questions I, you know, uh, pose to my pose to myself. Like I, 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 I do feel like a lot of people shy away from exploration. Um, when it comes to um, f- less so film, but a lot more with TV, I feel like a lot of people um, stick with their TV tastes um, quicker than uh, quicker than music. I know the fact is uh, when you're around 32, 33 years old, you stop looking for new music. Um, I feel like the 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 you know, unofficial barrier for TV is like maybe 22. I think I think I think after that you people just stop watching stop watching new shit um you know as much as um, okay let me let me let me rephrase that actually let me rephrase that I'd say I'd say around 25 actually cuz I think the early 20s is when people actually explore for shit right and um especially teenagehood as well I remember like teenage years I was exploring mad I was constantly watching TV I I that was that was one of the best like, best couple of years where I was just like constantly trying to find new shit, and it's the same for music with me now. Um, you know, film wise, I feel like it's it varies from person to person. I feel like there's no there's no stamp uh, stamped uh, age for films because uh, you know in 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 the usual world when there's like you know cinemas about right now, right. Um, you know, you can go see go see a film, and then you know may not watch it, watch it ever again, right? But TV is obviously much more of an investment. It's like either a weekly investment or you know a several hour investment, right? A film is much different. A film can be just something that you, yeah, you, know, you want to go do, you want to go do something, yeah. Do you want to watch a film? Yeah, go for it. You know what I mean, you just you just do it just to do it um, because it's there. It's, it's something to do. TV is a little bit different where you sit down and you have to make a concerted decision at some point whether to actually watch the rest of it or not. You know, you can watch an episode or two and you'll be like, yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm cool. I won't watch the rest. Or you watch the rest and it's like, and the rest of it is like eight to ten hours, you know, 12 episodes of an hour show or whatever. And like, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's an investment. Um, so, you know, <coughs> I don't know where I was going with that. I was just um, rambling. But, um, I just I just find this whole thing interesting um, as a uh, as a reason why people are uh, looking to these things. I don't think people, like I said, uh, consciously see Sopranos as like you know um, some sort of commentary on uh, America in any way. Uh, the why I've have seen constantly being referenced in, especially in the uh, the past decade, as like you know a prelude to everything and and a, a very early uh, look at what black America is is like in a lot of ways Um, and and, I don't want to say predicts a lot of things but you know it really shines a light on it Um, and obviously like the leftovers as well is a good example but I don't really I don't really think people watch something and go whoa that's exactly like what because I didn't watch Contagion when people... Like, why why, why were people watching Contagion? That's so weird to me. I find that so weird. Like, how people are doing... Um, some people are doing COVID films, and I'm just not into that. Like, why why would you want to 
Um, why would you want to watch something about something that you're already in? Like, Kenneth Branagh is going to be Boris Johnson in some, like, uh, Corona fucking TV movie. I'm just like, can we get the fucker out of office first? You know what I mean? It's like, what the fuck? It doesn't make sense to me. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, 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 I don't know, trying to, like, jump the gun. I, I don't really understand that. Um, but, I don't know. But uh, maybe, maybe that was just me... Even when I said that, I was just like, maybe I'm just already uh, caping for the nostalgia people, but because um, I feel like they're pretty much opposites. Like, if you are you're either watching something to escape or you're watching something to, I guess, inform you. But I, I'm not going to watch Contagion to inform myself. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, I'm going to watch an explainer video about uh, about whatever the topic is. You know, what I mean, like, like a documentary or something like that. You know, what I mean, um, and that's a good, you know, uh, that's another potential avenue you can go down talking about why documentaries have taken such a huge leap forward in the past 10 years because people want good information about and good stories and there's all and you know what better story is there than life itself um so you know i feel like that's why uh, documentaries have you know extreme have taken a extreme rise uh from 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 year to year and we've, you know, really been in the golden age of documentaries. And I think you, you can add that to this particular pop. Um, you know, for now, I'll just leave it there. Um, I've, 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 ra- I've rambled on long enough. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth Man Podcast Network, I've been Charlie Taylor and this has been what's good. Intro music has been Too Much by Vanilla. Thanks to Jailbreakers for the ability to use a song. You can find both Vanilla's website and Chill Hop's uh, Bandcamp discography all in full show notes. Interlude music is Charismatic by Nappy, Nappy High. You can find his website on the full show notes as well. And all the articles, as I said at the start of the show, can all be found on the full show notes. Go give them a read and support the writers as well. Uh, and with that said, hope you all have a good week. I shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.